0: Hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of Frontish Podcast. So today we are going to talk about something different and that is related to ancient India.
1: Yeah so today we are going to talk about diplomacy in ancient India. As most people know that diplomacy or diplomatic relation between countries was actually founded by the treaty after the Treaty of Westphalia but I guess uh, I mean, yes, the modern diplomacy that we have today definitely had its straight after the Westphalian Treaty. But it doesn't mean that the countries does not have diplomatic relations in the ancient India. Like I'm talking about the uh, 4 BCE, like before Common Era. So, yeah, so we're going to discuss this in detail today. Also, you guys will get to know a lot of things about ancient India today. And yeah, I guess we should actually glorify our... In ancient Indian history, yeah, yeah, our culture, our history. So, begin with, I guess we should begin with a brief introduction about ancient India because, of course, most of you are not from that field. Also, school, uh, you know, might have learned about it in school, but we don't remember that much. So, to start with the introduction or a brief history, so ancient India was, as you know, uh, I mean, I'm talking about the time when the process of empire building started like the uh, concept that uh, there would be a monarch or republic also Mm -hmm. one more point that ancient india had a system of both monarch and republics so yeah republic system is not new in india we had it back in the you know it's like we had it around uh, 2000 years back and even more like it was called uh, in hindi which means republic and the meaning is same today also so uh, most of the hilly terrains of india used to have the uh, republic system and also uh, our prime minister has talked about it in one of the parliamentary sessions he mentioned about the lichavis so lichavis existed in the uh, time of uh, i would say that uh, buddha siddhartha gautam as we know and also it continued to uh, you know it continued to uh, what we say you know, exist even during the time of uh, uh, gupta empire so i mean most of you would know that uh, there was gupta empire and also uh, the time of gautam buddha which was before common era so we see that they had a very long history also, they were not a very prominent kingdom in India, but yes, they were a very, very important kingdom when it comes to you know understanding the history. So, the Chavis were one of the oldest you know republics in India that ceased to exist. Also, there were a lot of republics, not only the uh, Chavis, but the Chavis are you know one of the most important. So, hmm. yeah, and also uh, during the time and all, and uh, first we'll discuss that. Okay, I guess this intro i'll keep on uh, you know providing the background throughout so we'll start with the first point that why it was important to have a soft power or you know uh, the need for diplomacy so i guess it all started because earlier when uh, we say that wars used to happen like most people think that india was a very hostile country back in the day there used to be a lot of wars and stuff but uh, that is Partially not true because India has always been a welfare state, so yes, it also looked after its uh, people So um, it all started in the I guess 4th century BC like before common era when uh, the modern kings fought with the Greeks because the Greeks we all know the story of Alexander and uh, I don't understand why they call him great, but I don't call him great. So I would just call him Alexander So he came to India I guess in 325 BC and uh, he tried capturing but of course like Western philosophers they say that um, yeah he actually you know just uh, was amazed by the valor of the local things and he went back but I don't think that's the case because uh, you know I think that it was because he uh, of course there might be a, you know uh, like uh, both the parties would have been uh you know strong but uh, it was not the case that alexander was much much stronger than him than the local kings so i guess it would be like yeah famous
0: tale of uh, king porus and alexander yes there is this famous tale of king porus and Ad- alexander right?
1: yeah but uh yeah i mean western historians have different theory about alexander and um, Uh, Indian ones have different. So I generally, I don't follow both of them in the same context, but I guess that what happened between Alexander and the local king due to which he left India was a different story. But I don't believe that he left because he was so amazed by the value. There must be some other side of the story too. And also it is said that his soldiers denied to go forward towards the mainstream India because of the glory of Mauryan Empire at that time. I guess it was Dhananand who was the, uh, you know, king in India. And he was, he had a very very strong army and even all the foreigners knew about it. So of course the, the soldiers of Alexander refused to go but he left his, you know, People to rule, rule around in the northwestern part of India. And when Chandragupta Maurya came to power after Dhananand, of course, then he tried to capture the northwest India. So he fought with the Greeks and he defeated them. And they were all asked to go back to Greek. But then he understood that, I mean, we see that Indian kings have always understood the importance of soft power. That's why matrimonial alliances were there.
0: You know? yeah, yeah yeah not you... just internationally but also nationally right
1: yes of course um, um, locally locally so he married a you know greek uh princess uh most of us know about helena yeah
0: yeah, yeah. do.
1: so that was a kind of symbol of extending his soft power because he married their princess and also that was the first time a greek ambassador was sent to india and his name was Megasthenes. Now, most of us would know about Megasthenes because he also is known as the first Greek ambassador to India. So, we see when we say Greek ambassador, we understand that this is diplomatic relation. Megasthenes was in the port of. Uh, uh, Chandragupta Maurya for like seven years. He stayed in Patliputra and he also wrote about the Indian history and culture and uh, so it is also a very good source for understanding history so we understand the diplomatic relations used to be there and this is not the only case when uh, the diplomatic relations were there. Even after Megasthenes there were a lot of ambassadors which weeks sent in order to maintain their relation with the Mauryan Empire and most of the Greek ambassadors which came to India were so mesmerized by the Indian culture that there used to be a process called Indianization when ambassadors or the Greeks came to India and were like in uh, uh, awe of the Indian culture, and most of them, you know, actually converted to either Brahmanical religions or Buddhism or Jainism. Their instance is that, you know, the ambassadors. Converted to Hinduism and also named themselves, uh, well, you know, named themselves on the behalf of the Indian gods like Vishnu. He one of them actually converted and was named and named himself Vishnu Gupta or something. Um, sorry, not Vishnu Gupta was the particular, but I guess it was from uh, he related to Vaishnavism, the which uh, I don't remember the exact name, but he actually followed Vaishnavism and one more actually not one many of the ambassadors which came to india from the greeks actually con, uh, actually converted to buddhism jainism and brahmanical religion also most of them mostly converted to uh, buddhism because buddhism was at peak at that time yeah yeah so we'll also move on to the next thing that uh, the kind of relations we had with the uh, China and Southeast Asia, also the Northwest and Asia. So to talk about the relations with Northwest Asia, uh, for the Central Asia, we all know that India used to have a very, very strong relation, or we can say, my, it just might be a trade relation, but we had relation with Northwest Asia, uh, since Indus Valley civilization. So Indus Valley civilization happened 3,500 years ago. So yeah, we had a very, very uh, strong relation with the, uh, you know, uh, Central asia's like uh, the today's region of Iran, Iran, Iraq, and also the Central Asian, like uh, the nomadic tribes of Central Asia. There used to be a trade relation. We had, we used to had a trade relation with them. So, um, yeah. Also, yeah.
0: Nothing. Carry on.
1: Yeah also like india like me most of us know that india was uh very very fl- india had a very very flourishing of uh, you know uh, uh shipbuilding activities india was one of the best countries or the best places where shipbuilding technology was found so of course because we had oceans around us so our shipbuilding uh, process flourished, Although uh, the British says that Indians were, you know, uncivilized people, we civilized them. But back, but when all the Europe was, you know, trying or uh, trying or understanding what, you know, culture is, we had a very, very vibrant culture. And not only culture, we had trade links to Southeast Asia, China, and also to the uh, area of Kazakhstan, Tashkent that kind of areas even uh there are some instances about a uh, kashmir king who actually went to Tashkent. you understand very Tashkent in central asia he captured till there so oh. of course india had a very rich history which was actually you know uh, most of the british tried their best to you know erase our histories but there's a tendency <laughs> about history you can never erase it
0: i mean even uh the people of india the students of india don't know so much about uh their
1: past yes actually the thing is that we indians are taught maybe because of the british school education system that we are very you know peace loving people we don't go to wars because we are very naturally very uh, you know peace um, we are very naturally you know non-violence type of people but that's not true if you see in the you know local levels or in the personal levels, we Indians are very very furious people you know yes. if someone if someone does something wrong to you you start shouting and you start doing things like that's i'm taking i'm talking about normal instances so how can you say that india is a very peace loving nature peace loving nation its citizens are really you know believes in non violence of course we believe in tolerance india has from time and again believed in uh, tolerance we did, we do not do this communal thing here since ancient yes. time, like in ancient time also, we had a lot of religions. We had Jainism, Buddhism, Brahmanical religions, and I don't say Hinduism then because uh, uh, back then it was believed that Hinduism there was nothing called Hinduism. It was always a Brahmanical religion because Hinduism, uh, in its you know, uh, it uh, in its initial or I would say in specific term, is not a religion. It's a way of life. So that's why I mostly prefer, uh, the Hinduism today is not what we had back then. Today we have a religion that's called Hinduism, but back then it was Brahmanism because there was a concept of of Brahmins and non brahmins and it was, it is mostly called a Vedic, uh, you know, religion. So back then there was no concept of Hinduism. That's why I don't term it as Hinduism, but I don't think there's a much difference. We adopted it later on and gave it a name because initially it was just a way of living like hinduism was mostly termed as a terminology it was a terminology used to define a certain way of living like vegetarianism no alcoholism and also a lot of things yeah yeah so coming back to our diplomatic relations we had our diplomatic relations we had very very good, good uh, diplomatic relations with china okay talking about this today i feel like oh my god can china be this good someday of course yeah there used to be tang uh you know uh, yeah there were a uh, lot of are- ha, yeah
0: uh-huh. actually
1: uh-huh. You are- Pahiyan. Pahiyan came back uh, during the time of um, Mauryan Empire and he wrote a lot about the Mauryan kings and the culture of history and of course and yeah, Pahiyan came uh, to India I guess, yeah during the Mauryan Empire and you know, Fayan has uh, had had undergone a tragedy in which when he was going back to China, actually he came back, came to India through land route but uh, uh, he was going, he had to go through uh, sea route, so when he was going back to China, his, uh, around near uh, near the areas of now, you know, Indonesia, where we have Indonesia now, he was actually, um, his ship was struck by a very, very big storm, you know, large, type of storm and uh, people thought that you know we could not survive and we could not go ahead of it and uh, so most of the you know so every passenger were told to uh, you know uh, what we say like to uh, give away with the uh, you know belongings yeah, because, just to yeah. just to you know
0: Huh. reduce the weight of the huh. ship
1: yeah yeah so actually fayan uh give away with everything his personal things but but he didn't want to you know give away with the uh, reports and writings he uh actually you know uh, accumulated over these years because uh, he he actually studied in the lalanda he was yeah. there he was, was there for a long time yeah
0: all those things were indeed very important
1: yeah but he had to give away with them and he only kept a small statue of Buddha because he believed that he is the only one who will actually make sure that he survives. So he gave away with everything. But then he went back to China and wrote about his experiences. So the book Fahian wrote, uh, is the is also a you know very good source of history for us Indians and also for people. And he was there for a very, very long time. He went to a lot of places. I mean, as Indians, I have not been to so many places that he has been, being a Chinese. Yeah. So, and he also mentioned that India is a very tolerant nation because... Buddhism uh, was at its peak back then. The rulers used to be Buddhist, but he never ever did any injustice to other rulers. Of course, there will be some uh, you know exceptions. Like uh, we talk about a ruler from uh, the region of Bengal, it was called Shashank So he persecuted Buddhists at very large uh, numbers. uh, I there are very you know ambiguities in this, but yeah, he was one of the kings who was. You know, who actually burned the Bodhi tree. So, yeah, we say that uh, he's a kind of ruler. But most of the other kings, most kings, were very, very tolerant towards other religions. Very, very tolerant. Because most kings of ancient India were either Buddhist or Jain. And later on, when we talk about the 9th and century, when Vaishnavism and Shaivism was it, its week, then we have the imperial Cholas. We know about the imperial Cholas, yeah. they were mostly the share, they mostly followed the servicem cult. And this cult, uh, you know, came out very late, like in the 9th, 10th century, because earlier it was only either Jain kings or Buddhist kings. And we had very little, you know, uh, Brahmanical kings. Most of them were either Jain or Buddhist. But later on in the 8th, 9th century, when Vaishnavism and Shaivism was at its peak. But if we talk about the 9th century, it was like Shaivism, which was at its peak in the North India and Vaishnavism in the South India, and Vaishnavism in the North India. So that was a time when the Brahmanical uh, you know, religions were at its peak. But still, uh, there was a lot of tolerance between us. Okay we straight away we should talk about our diplomatic relations with china yeah. so yeah so we all know about the king harshvardhan he i mean every indian knows about him every every indian like uh, in our even in our households we say that there was a king uh, who used to do, who donated everything he's known as the most most uh, benevolent king of history in ancient india harshvardhan so uh, of course harshvardhan also had a you know very difficult history. His uh, brother-in-law and uh, his brother, both of them were killed by Shant, the ruler I talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. So he he you had to you know actually take the charges of his empire at a very early age, like in sixteen. So. Uh, it was during his time that we started having a very, very good relations or uh, with China, and in China it was Tang, you knew, uh, Tang empi- Empire, if I'm not wrong. Um, so during his time, Pahiyan came to India, and Pahiyan is known as, you know, the mentor of uh, Harshvardhana, because Harshwadhan was at, initially, he was uh, uh, from, uh, uh, he was a Shaivite, but later he actually uh, got converted to Buddhism, and initially got converted to uh, Himayana, and later Mahayana. So, Paiyan was a Mahayana, Buddhist. Okay, to everyone not, who don't know about the sects of Buddhist, you don't have to, you just have to know that, yeah, a king who was Buddhist, uh, yeah, Harshwadhan was a Buddhist king, and yet, He's, and also that he is known as the most, most benevolent king because he donated everything, like everything, except for his uh, uh, army, which he had to keep, and some wealth that which he uh, would use to, you know, give salaries to the uh, to the soldiers. Other than that, he actually donated everything. And it's very famous. I like that's why he is very famous. It's, uh, uh, there's, and we get to know this from a lot of inscriptions, so yeah, this is not, false or something, um, there's no error in it. Because, of course, uh, after the modern empire, whatever history it is written, it's mostly true. Because um, we get evidences from it. So there is no if in it. But yeah. So during his time, Pahiyan came to India. But Pahiyan was not a state-sponsored person. So he was not an ambassador. But uh, he had a very good relation with Harshvardhan. He uh, so after the, uh, after Pahian went back to China, a state-sponsored ambassador was sent in the court of Harshwardhan. I guess his name was Itsing, uh, and he stayed here for a very very long time. But uh, had to but after he left, Harshwardhan died, and the second uh, the third ambassador, if I second uh, Second ambassador, which came to the court of Gupta's, actually defeated the then king. You know, so that happens because uh, that was his history. That's what happens. That if you have diplomatic relations, it doesn't mean that countries can't get hostile against each other. That still happens. So yeah. We had a very, very, uh, very uh, good relations with China, and after that also we had a lot of ambassadors from different parts of the world. India had diplomatic relations with uh, Southeast Asia also. Like uh, if we know about the Chola Empire, they captured till I mean not captured but they had their influence till, uh, you know. I would say Malaysia and whole of Southeast Asia. They even went till Vietnam and Laos. So they had, uh, they had actually um, they were um, like the influence of the Chola kings. Were you know like in till Southeast Asia and also we had ambassadors from Southeast Asia sitting in the courts of Chola empires and others. Uh, so yeah, diplomatic relations were given a lot of prominence because the kings understood that you cannot fight every time and you could not win because every time, like uh, most people think that India Indian kings were very brutal and they only knew the word of swords, but no, that's not true. We also know we also understood the importance of diplomacy. And I I say this because of course if you don't understand the importance of diplomacy, why would you have matrimonial alliances? That was because uh, to you know gain the soft power so that the empire would never ever you know go against you because of course if you have matrimonial alliances, this won't happen. So yeah, like matrimonial alliances, we also have diplomatic alliances because the kings knew the importance of. Uh, knew the importance of diplomacy and why, and also Ashok during the time of he uh, he's also known as the preacher of Buddhism. So even during his time, he sent his uh, children to the uh, to Sri Lanka, which was called Ceylon, I guess if I'm not wrong, um, back in the days. And they also had um, diplomatic relations, like Sri Lanka and India had diplomatic relations during the time of Ashok. No? Ashok, yeah yeah so we have a very very uh, long and vivid diplomatic history india has a very strong diplomatic history so yeah i guess this was all the part of diplomacy but uh, maybe uh, we will talk about the uh, you know origin of diplomacy in uh, ancient india so i guess uh, you have to give this credit to kautilya he was the scholar who actually prescribed the kings. I mean, yeah, he is called Indian Machiavelli, but I guess Machiavelli came back, you know, very late. <laughs> like very, yeah, very was, late. was very late. Huh. He but... came in the, um, um, during the time of unification of Italy. And when was the unification of Italy? It was in the 9th and 10th century. Oh my God. And he was in 3rd BCE, before Common Era. So calling him Indian Machiavelli is an insult to him. But you should call Machiavelli in, uh, you know, Western Chanakya. Yeah. I that's see. what I was about to say yeah so of course that's what you know most of the uh, you know uh, the Europeans did to us like during the Gupta Empire we had a king called Samudra Gupta who was very very ambitious and very very ferocious he's known as the Alexander of East I mean why see,
0: see. I mean why so much Westernization of our culture yeah. and actually about China recently it has become so hostile and yeah. you know so dominant but earlier even china has a very very rich cultural history yeah and uh, i'm uh, i'm glad that uh, they are also proud of this fact because every citizen should be
1: and so,
0: just because china has grown so hostile in the last 100 years does not mean that we will forget their glorious past
1: of course not also 100 years i guess this is all because i, I think the reason no no behind... i took I took
0: CCP's example, and it has been 100 years of CCP, so.
1: Yeah, actually, the reason why China has become this hostile is that, I mean, now that Xi Jinping is a a leader for life, he has to do something very, very, you know, impacting that, um, so that there is no obstacles on his way on his way toward, to his lifelong leadership. Because after he became a lifelong leader, there was a pandemic and China's name got dragged into it, China was blamed for it, and the reputation of China overall declined a lot. So he ha- now the people of China even resenting him. So he wants to do something which will actually unite all the uh, unite the whole nation. It's like uh, if India captures POK, what would the sentiments of the what would be the sentiments of India? Like we'll be more than glad, and that is what. Xi Jinping wants to do. He wants to capture Taiwan, and that is the reason he has become hostile towards you know India because for that he needs to uh, you know decrease or you know uh, kind of delimit India because if not, like this he goes and tries to you know capture Taiwan, India would definitely try helping Taiwan, and also maybe they uh, India would try getting its exile back. So yeah. yeah so they want to, you know, push Indians uh, to their backput and then go towards Taiwan. And they want Pakistan as their ally so that Pakistan keeps on doing its usual shit to India so that we <laughs> cannot focus on, you know, what it is important. Like terrorist things. Like that's what Pakistan do. They yeah. keep on terror funding and and these terror funded groups become a pain in the ass for india so we yeah. keep engrossed in it and china gets its job done i guess that's the reason because because of course we had a rivalries between <laughs> in with, with china since a long time but what we have today was never ever experienced by indians or chinese we never hated each other so much yeah. like the hatred we have today so yeah i guess Mm, this was for today also we didn't talk about cartilla's foreign policy because it's um, to understand that we have to understand a lot of situation and stuff so maybe we will make a bit, uh, you know another episode uh, another it. episode on it and we'll just talk about the cartilla's foreign policy because it's huge and um, it's also something which you'll have you would understand if you don't know the background and i am uh, you know 100% sure that most of us don't know it because, of course, like, uh, we haven't studied that in school and the, our education system never focused on Kautilya's or the Indian philosophers, you know, yeah. uh, writings. And I guess that's a major setback. Like, we are taught about Western philosophers and stuff in back in school, but we were never... I mean, it's important that we include mm-hmm. Indian philosophers' writings in the, you know, school levels. Uh, yeah,
0: because I remember back in... Uh, our high school days, I mean in yeah. class 9 or something, we mm. were reading about the uh, Western Renaissance. Yeah. But we never learned about the uh... You know, yes, in India,
1: I, yeah, I even fact. you know, um, back out of school, I didn't know about history at all. I felt, I mean, I we weren't taught about the great modern empires or the post-morias or the guptas or the post-guptas, like it was just one-liners or stuff. I don't know what yeah. we were taught, we were just taught, I guess, the nationalism and colonialism and some world history part. I mean, yeah, yeah it's important for us to know world history, but we also, you know, what happened because of that most of the indian thinks that the history starts from nationalism and ends with independence yeah that's not right. the case you know most indian youths have the similar thought they didn't know that there used to be kings like Raj- raja Raj- rajendra one or raja raja who expanded their kingdoms to all of the southeast we had kings like that i don't remember the name of that king who actually went till tashkend we don't know about the you know, conquest of Samudra Gupta who was a very very intelligent king. So we don't know our own history because our education system is made like this by the Brits. They tried uh, you know, including they made our uh, education system in a such a way that we never uh, that we won't be able to understand the glories of our past. We'll just understand that, we'll just think that Brits were the one who civilized us before them. We were just as a hunter, hunters, gatherers. But no, the fact that, that, is that when the whole case. of Europe was hunters, gatherers, India was, baking, uh, India was making temples like Menakshi Temple the you see, it's uh, I can't even imagine thinking that how they used to make such temples like 200 pits on something like What is this, bro? I mean, yeah. I'm amazed where the engineering India had a very, very you know, artistic, you know, uh, engineers and traders. Yeah, I had, mean, India still was, has
0: a large number of engineers, yeah,
1: and this yeah. is something we're proud of, of course, and also like uh during the gupta age we um, they made a pillow in meharoli which is still there and it is made from rust free iron you imagine during the gupta age wow. like in the fifth sixth century they make a pillar rust free and it's still rust free bro it doesn't rust so the technology i mean the um, our contribution towards art science was huge but we were just you know um like we were never given credit for what what we had. And we are not even, and even today, after like 70 years of independence, we are not taught what we were, what our forefathers were. All we thanks to this
0: westernization
1: uh, yeah, of our education system. Of course. Yeah, like back in the days, we had universities like Takshila, Nalanda, and also uh, Vallabhine. We had such amazing institutes of learning where foreigners used to come and learn and today we indians go to foreign countries to you know for education because of course it was really disregarded we never gave priority to what we had and i would say that it was just the brits or the foreigners i would also blame our government after the independence who never actually thought of you know indianizing things back which were westernized, and I say it that yeah, Indianization should be done because that's our history. That's our part. You can never grow without, you know, you can never grow if you are not, you know, actually uh, tied to your roots. Yeah, you I mean, even
0: S- Shashi Tharoor uh, says it that uh, if you do not know about your past, you will never mm. know where you are going to uh, go
1: in future. Of course, it's very important to know about our past in in uh, in order to understand the future. That's the reason most of the youths today are, you know, just blindly following Western cultures, doing things that, uh, I mean, that's not even meant for us. Like, I know people who celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh
0: my God. I mean, I don't even know why Thanksgiving is celebrated. I just know that it's celebrated in November. I mean, oh my God, what is this? I mean, Halloween, I understand why you guys celebrate Halloween because it's fun yeah and it's okay to celebrate Halloween but thanksgiving I think it is because Americans do their harvesting they harvest their crops or something so even in India we harvest our crops during Makar Sankranti so why don't you
1: celebrate that of course Uh, I mean you don't even
0: go and wish on social media that happy Makar Sankranti and something like that yeah So.
1: so there are a lot of things that need to be you know set right even now after so many years of our independence, we are still not, I don't know why we are not setting things right. I think the youth needs to understand their history. That no, we don't have a history of bro only 800, 80, 200 years. When the yeah. Brits came, we had a history of more than 4,000 years. Yeah, we can be truthful. And this yeah. podcast actually aims to do that. I mean, yeah, um, you know,
0: making people aware not only on the geopolitical issues but also on issues like this.
1: Yeah, yeah, we mostly focus on the geopolitics because it's important for us to know. But you know, sometimes you don't, un- you won't be able to understand the geopolitics if you don't know the history of your yeah. own country's geopolitics back in the days. So it's very important. Today's uh, episode was all about the geopolitics in the ancient India. You understand the relations, how we were connected to the Southeast Asia, Southwest Asia, sorry, Northwest Asia, Central Asia and yeah. China. So that's And what I uh,
0: the fact that we uh, hate China right now, but it is not that we hate yeah. its past because it was very glorious and yeah. no one can deny that
1: of course actually um the um after the pahian wrote his book people from china really uh, praised harswardhan as their you know god they liked him so much that for them it was he was like their god so you understand how much they loved the uh, an indian king because he was really because he was yeah he was the face of buddhism at that time also so was ashok Ashok yeah. was also the face of Buddhism, Harshwadan was a face of Buddhism and the Chinese people, uh, most of the Chinese travelers or the Chinese people wanted to visit India, see its glory and most, even most of them wrote about it and they told the world that India has such a vibrant path, that India has such a vibrant history culture, like when most of the world didn't know didn't have a settled life we were trading agricultural products yeah. so yeah also not to forget our indus valley civilization's town planning we'll talk about that uh, in the
0: later episodes yeah and we just hope that you like this concept that apart from geopolitics we are also covering uh, you know ancient indian history Because that's very important for people to know. And even the people who are not Indian, but are, uh, uh, you know, interested in our culture, I think this podcast even serves them.
1: Of course. So So, I guess we'll... uh, um, We'll end here.
0: Um, Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.